0: CHAPTER 2 PART 3 OF MORE TISH THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG MORE TISH BY MARY ROBERTS Reinhardt. TISH DOES HER bit, PART 3 I dare say we would still be there had not a young man with a gun run suddenly around the haystack. He had a frightened look but when he saw us all alive, he relaxed. Unfortunately, however, Aggie still had the bottle of blackberry cordial in the air. His expression altered when he saw her, and he said in a disgusted voice, "'Well, I'll be damned!' Tish had not seen Aggie, and merely observed that she felt like that and even more. She then remarked that I had broken her other arm and her nose, which had struck the windshield." But the young man merely gave her a scornful glance, and, leaning his gun against the haystack, came over to the car and inspected us all with a most scornful expression. "'I thought so,' he said. "'When I saw you leaping that fence and jumping the creek, I knew what was wrong. Only I thought it was a party of men, in my wildest dreams.' "'Give me that bottle,' he ordered Aggie, holding out his hands. "'Now it is Aggie's misfortune to have lost her own teeth some years ago.' owing to a country dentist who did not know his business and when excited she has a way of losing her hold as one may say on her upper set she then speaks in a thick tone with a lisp certainly not said aggie to my horror the young man then stepped on the running board of the car and snatched the bottle out of her hand i must say he said glaring at us each in turn that it is the most disgraceful thing i have ever seen his eyes stopped at tish and travelled over her where is your clothing he demanded fiercely it was then that tish rose and fixed him with a glittering eye young men she said where my dress skirt is does not concern you nor why we are here as we are give miss pilkington that bottle of blackberry cordial blackberry cordial jeered the young man As for what you evidently surmise, you are a young idiot. I am the president of the local branch of the W.C.T.U. Of course you are, said the young man. I am Carrie Nation myself. Now watch. He then selected a large stone and smashed the bottle on it. Now, he observed, come over with the rest of it and be quick. But here he seemed to realize that Tish's face was rather awful, for he stopped bullying and began to coax. Now see here, he said, I'm going to help you out of this, if I can, because I rather think it is an accident. You've all had something on an empty stomach. Go down to the creek and get some cold water, and then walk about a bit. I'll see what I can do with the car. Aggie was weeping in the rear seat by that time, and I shall never forget Tish's face. Suddenly she got out of the car, and before he realized what was happening, she had his gun in her good hand. "'Now,' she said, waving it about recklessly, "'I'll teach you to insult sober and God-fearing women, "'whose only fault is that one of them hasn't all the wit she should have "'and let a car run away with her. Lizzie, get out of that seat.' "'It was the young man's turn to look strange. "'Be careful,' he cried. "'Be careful! It's loaded, and the safety catch—' "'Get out, Aggie!' "'Aggie crawled out, still holding the rug around where she had sat down on the creek.' "'Now,' Tish said, addressing the stranger, "'you back that car out and get it to the road. "'And close your mouth. "'Something is likely to fly into it.' "'I beg of you,' said the young man. "'Of course I'll do what I can, "'but please don't wave that gun around.' "'Just a moment,' said Tish. "'That blackberry cordial was worth about a dollar. "'Just give a dollar to the lady near you. "'Aggie, take that dollar. "'Lizzie, come here and let me rest his gun on your shoulder.' "'She did.' keeping it pointed at the young man, and I could hear her behind me, breathing in short gasps of fury. Nothing could so have enraged Tish as the thing which had happened, and for a time I feared that she would actually do the young man some serious harm. He sat there looking at us, and he saw, of course, that he had been mistaken. He grew very red and said, "'I've been an idiot, of course. If you will allow me to apologize—' "'Don't talk,' Tish snapped you have all you can do without any conversation did you ever drive a car before not through a haystack he said in a sulky voice but tish fixed him with a glittering eye and he started the engine well he got the car backed and turned around and we followed him through the stubble as the car bumped and rocked along but at the edge of the creek he stopped and turned around look here he said this is suicide this car will never do it it has just done it tish replied inexorably go on i might get down but i'll never get up the other side go on tish aggie cried anguished he may be killed and you'll be responsible aggie is a sentimental creature and the young man was very good-looking indeed arriving at the brink i myself had qualms but tish has a will of iron and was besides still rankling with insult She merely glued her eye again to the side of the gun on my shoulder and said, "'Go on.' Well, he got the car down somehow or other, but nothing would make it climb the other side. It would go up a few feet and then slide back, and at last Tish herself saw that it was hopeless and told him to turn and go down the creek bed. It was a very rough creek bed, and one of the springs broke almost at once.' We followed along the bank, and I think Tish found a sort of grim humor in seeing the young men bouncing up into the air and coming down on the wheel. For I turned once and found her smiling faintly. However, she merely called to him to be careful of the other springs, or she would have to ask him to pay for them. He stopped then, in a pool about two feet deep, and glared up at her. "'Oh, certainly,' he said. "'I suppose the fact that i have permanently bent my floating ribs on this infernal wheel doesn't matter at last he came to a shelving bank and got the car out i think he contemplated making a run for it then and getting away but tish observed that she would shoot into the rear tires if he did so so he went back to the road slowly and there stopped the car however tish was not through with him she made him climb the chestnut tree and bring down her dress skirt and then turn his back while she put it on. By that time the young man was in a chastened mood, and he apologized handsomely. "'But I think I have made amends, ladies,' he said. "'I feel that I shall never be the same again. When I started out to-day I was a blithe young thing, feeling life in every limb, as the poet says. Now what I feel in every limb does not belong in verse. May I have the shotgun, please?' But Tish had no confidence in him, and we took the gun with us, arranging to leave it at the first signpost about a mile away. We left him there, and Aggie reported that he stood in the road staring after us as long as we were inside. Tish drove the car home after all, steering with one hand and taking the wheel off a buggy on the way. I sat beside her and changed the gears, and she blamed the buggy wheel on me, owing to my going into reverse when I meant to go ahead slowly. The result was that we began to back unexpectedly, and the man only saved his horse by jumping him over a watering trough. I have gone into this incident with some care, because the present narrative concerns itself with the young men we met, and with the secret in Tish's barn. At the time, of course, it seemed merely one of the unpleasant things one wishes to forget quickly— "'Tish's arm was only sprained, and although Aggie wore adhesive plaster around her ribs almost all winter because she was afraid to have it pulled off, there were no permanent ill effects. "'The winter passed quietly enough. Aggie and I made red cross dressings for Europe, and Tish, tiring of knitting, made pyjamas. "'She had turned against the government, and almost left the church when she learned that Mr. Ostermeyer had voted the democratic ticket.' then in january without telling anyone she went away for four days and sarah willoughby wrote me later that the honorable j c her husband said that a woman resembling tish had demanded from the gallery of the senate that we declare war against germany and had been put out by the sergeant-at-arms i do not know that this was tish she returned as unannounced as she had gone and went back to her pajamas but she was more quiet than usual and sometimes when she was sewing her lips moved as though she was rehearsing a speech she observed once or twice that she wanted to do her bit but that she considered digging trenches considerably easier than driving a sewing-machine twelve miles a day i remember in this connection a conversation i had with mrs ostermeyer some time in january she asked me to wait after the red cross meeting and i saw trouble in her eye Miss Lizzie, she said, do you think Miss Tish really enjoys sewing? Not particularly, I admitted, but it is better than knitting, she says, because it is faster, she likes to get results. Exactly, Mrs. Ostermaier observed, I'll just ask you to look at this pyjama coat she has turned in. Well, there was no getting away from it. It was wrong." dear tish had sewed one of the sleeves in the neck opening and had opened the sleeve hole and faced back the opening and put buttons and buttonholes on it not only that said mrs ostermeyer but she has made the trousers of several suits wrong side before and opened them up the back and men are such creatures of habit they like things the way they are used to them well i had to tell tish and she flew into a temper and said mrs ostermeyer never could cut things out properly And she would leave the society, which she did. But she was very unhappy over it, for Tish is patriotic to her fingertips. End of chapter two, part three. Recording by HeeHee Kitty.